Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's Turn the Lights On Again series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. My name is Chris Stallings. It is a privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church in this January series entitled Epiphany, or it's based on epiphany, which means the appearance or the manifestation of God. And it's marked by the Magi who came from the east, guided by the star to see the manifestation of God in the baby Jesus. Like the Magi who were drawn by the light of the star, we are drawn to Christ by Christ's light shining to draw us in. And that light in us and shining through us is an invitation or a light to others to also follow Jesus. And so we have this series It's entitled, Turn the Lights On Again. We've been guided by this key verse from Ephesians 5, 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light again. Well, it didn't say that, but I'm inviting us in this series to let that light rekindle. If it's dimmed at all, that you might be a light for Christ. Today in our finale, turn the lights on again, amazed by God, amazed by God. Do you remember the first time you ever experienced amazement? Where were you? Who or what was amazing? Do you remember the first time you were amazed? For some folks, you may not remember this, but probably the first time you were amazed was when an adult played peekaboo with you as a baby. Boo! You see the kid's face? They just light up. <laughs> Most of them, not all, but it's an amazing moment, right? If not for them, for us. Maybe as you got a little bit older, you were amazed whenever an adult started playing the I got your nose game. Y'all know that? Like reach down and, and come out with the little, I mean the kid's like, no! That's not, you know, nobody, just me. Maybe amazed by a toy or y'all remember these things? Da, 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 and either scared to death or amazed, one of the two, that a jack-in-the-box popped out. I remember my first memory of being amazed. It was in what we call primary school now, second or third grade. A peewee football coach showed us how he could pull his thumb off his hand. Have you seen this? It's like, huh? And he would twist and turn that thumb and then poof, and it would pop off. And then he'd wiggle his thumb like this. And I was like, and then he'd put it back on. And I was like, how did you do that? And he goes, well, you just got to pull on it real hard. And so for the next couple of weeks, I pulled and I pulled on my thumb. No, I could never do it. So much so that this thumb is now double jointed because I pulled on it so hard. 
There have been other times in my life when I've been amazed by more important things than peekaboo or the thumb trick. Athletes I've watched that do spectacular things with the way they can play the game. But even in my own life where I felt like something was impossible and God's equipped me to do something. <laughs> when I fell so many times riding a bike and then I could ride it and it just I was like, wow, it just works. And that first season of baseball where I did better to just leave my bat on my shoulder and duck down and walk and I couldn't hit it. And then finally, and I was like, whoa, amazing. But the most amazing thing I've experienced is the realization that God saved me. He spared me from death and eternal condemnation before I was saved. And once I was saved, he made me realize that. I remember whenever I was, shortly after I was saved, I was going to a church where in a small group we gathered and were equipping each other to help share the gospel and share our testimony. And so they had us write out the testimony, the story of how God had transformed our life. And in writing it, it just became overwhelming in realization of how blessed I was to not have died in a unsaved state. I remember I read that or shared that for the first time and I just began to weep. Both out of gratitude and joy and also a little bit of relief. That God preserved me to the point where I put my faith in him. God is amazing. And right before our eyes, he created each one of us unique. Right down to the fingerprints. God created in the world the enormity and the beauty of things like the Grand Canyon and the giant sequoia trees and the things that are just, are you serious? You think about it even beyond the earth when we know about the galaxies and the universe and the magnitude of that. There are billions of light years between the things that God just merely spoke and were created. Romans 1.20 reads, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for knowing or not knowing God. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Just look around and you see, wow. Has God amazed you? Do you see it? Have you experienced it? And if not, where do you look if you've missed it? Well, let's look at the Bible in Mark chapter 1. We're going to read from that in just a minute. But last week we introduced in Mark that John the Baptist was the messenger for Jesus. And once Jesus arrived, John baptized Jesus. And the Spirit of God led Jesus to a season of temptation in the wilderness. And when he came back, Jesus started inviting people to follow him or be what we know as disciples. To help him live out the ministry. And Jesus gave him a promise, if you follow me, I'll make you or teach you how to be fishers of men. And so we looked at what that means. Be called 
to that service of God. Today, we're going to look at how that ministry of Jesus and his followers began to unfold in his teaching that was supernaturally inspired by God, by his works of supernatural miracles that amazed people. Let's read now from Mark chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 21. We'll go down through 28. If you want to follow along word for word, bring a Bible or set your app to the NLT or New Living Translation. Hear these words. Mark chapter 1 verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Verse 23, suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, but Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet and come out of the man he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into convulsion and then came out of him. Verse 27, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. He has such authority, even the evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, the light of Christ, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, gives us a glimpse into the character and the power of God revealed in Jesus' ministry. It's denoted here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the gospel of Mark. And verse 27 shows us the kind of impact the ministry of Jesus had on others. Amazement gripped the audience couple of terms there. Amazement or to be amazed comes from the Greek New Testament term thambos. And it means to experience astonishment as a result of an unusual event from the Loanidia lexicon. In other words, these were not ordinary events. You didn't just see people getting evil spirits cast out. You didn't see the kind of teaching that Jesus taught. These were events that got noticed. The second important term in that verse 27 is the term for evil spirits. And it's karthros pneuma. Karthros pneuma. And it means an evil supernatural spirit. Which is ritually unclean and makes the persons be ritually unclean. The evil spirit caused the man to cry out in the presence of Jesus to object to the work of Jesus. The term evil spirit, I mean more than just demon possession when it looks like it was in this case. But it's the spirit that made the person ceremonially unfit to worship. You can think of this as willful sin that lingers in your heart and life. Causing you to be separated from God's presence or preventing you from worshiping. Anything that pushes against the will of God. 
You may experience these in your own life or seen them in the lives of others. But Jesus longs to remove every evil spirit that pushes you from the will of God. Evil spirits like the addiction to pornography. Evil spirits like bigotry and racism. Evil spirits like selfishness or pride or greed or anger or resentment or rage. Jesus showed God's power to take those away. And the people were amazed because they had seen the people who had those before and were like, wow. Let's look at this passage to see how Jesus shines the light through his amazing power in transforming the world. If you've got your worship bulletin or if you downloaded the online worship guide, I invite you to follow along with these points. Take notes that they might be helpful to you as you apply them to your life. Number one, amazed by God as we worship and grow. Amazed by God as we worship and grow. Verse 21, the second part reads, When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Jesus and those who followed him continued in the tradition of gathering in the places where God encountered people. In this passage, that included their observance of Sabbath. They're going to the synagogue and they're hearing of Scripture read and taught. The synagogue here is a gathering place for Jews at the time. It was not the temple in Jerusalem, but in a local community where they gathered and taught from the Old Testament, what may have been known as Torah. The second important part of this is the idea of to teach. It comes from the Greek term didasko. Didasko, and it means to provide instruction in a formal or informal setting. The disciples in Luke asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. In Romans 15, 4, it says, everything written formally in the scriptures was written to teach us. It requires kind of two halves to be fulfilled. A, a person or entity has the capability to impart the wisdom or knowledge. And then a recipient that's eager to learn. Takes both of those to fulfill teaching. The amazing work of God shows up whenever people are willing to participate in how God shows up. Worshiping. Growing. In the Methodist tradition, we've called those the means of grace, where we participate, where God has shown up, and we anticipate the amazement from seeing God show up in our lives, in the lives of others. The means of grace are things like praying, hearing the gospel preached, reading and learning from Scripture, giving, Fasting, praising, serving, and the list goes on. If you lack the amazement in God's presence or what God has done, I invite you to consistently participate in the means of grace. We call that in our on-ramp. 
the passive worship, grow, serve, and reach. We structure it in a way that it exposes you or gives you a chance to engage in those regularly that you may become amazed by God and God's work in you and through you. If you like the amazement of God, I invite you to consistently participate in the means of God's grace. Don't just dip your toe in. <laughs> right, don't just dab or sample once or twice a year. But consistently, fully engaged. And expect the wonders of God. Expect the transformation power of God in your life and in those you impact. Number one, amazed by God as we worship and grow. Number two, amazed by God's, or excuse me, amazed by God through Jesus' power. Amazed by God through Jesus' power. Mark 1.25 reads, But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet and come out of him, he ordered. And the next verse we see, the evil spirit came out. From the whole of Scripture, understanding what the Bible teaches, Christians believe and teach that there are three qualities of God. The omnipotent, the omniscient, and the omnipresent character of God. Omnipotent means that God has all power. Omnipotent or omnipotent, you might say. Omniscience means that God has all knowledge. Omniscience. And then omnipresent means that God is present everywhere at all time. In this miracle... The authority on display of God is in his omnipotent character. The witnesses earlier had heard Jesus teach where they saw the revelation of God's omniscience or God's knowledge being conveyed through Jesus. But now they see the power of God even to cast out the evil spirits. Not that man's power, not their power, not your power, not other people's power, but Jesus' power. See, so many of us are missing power in Jesus because we're trying to make it about our power. Have you ever been to the circus? You don't know what I'm talking about? Circus? Seen the flying trapeze or the people that walk the high wire? And you think, I'm going to be a trapeze artist or walk the high wire. I looked up in preparation for today. Did you know the world record for walking the high wire distance? 1.4 miles long. A dude walked across 1.4 miles. And he didn't even have one of those balance bars or whatever it's called, right? He's just doing this whole way and the wire's just doing that. I'm like, wow. And sometimes we do like, well, this is a metaphor. But imagine you said, I'm going to do that. Like, but I don't know how to walk the high wire, so I'm going to go and where there's a white stripe on the road and just walk that white stripe. And be like, look at me, I'm walking the high wire. See? And the whole mile and a half, you're going, look at me, look at me. I'm doing so good, right? And that's a metaphor for how we try to live our life when God is saying, I want to equip you through the power of Jesus to do so much greater. But you're sitting there trying to make it about you. Too many Christians live their life. You may be living your life from your own power. 
Here's what I can accomplish in my job. Here's what I can accomplish in my bank account. Here's what I can accomplish on the sports field or in the classroom. And the whole time shouting, look at me, look at me. And God's saying, I've got so much more for you than looking like the idiot on the white stripe of the road. I really want to do supernatural works in and through your life. But it's got to be about Jesus' power, not me. God's amazing power on display from those who say yes to Jesus. The true high wire stuff that God wants to do in and through you when you finally just quit trying to make it about you. Amazed by God's power through Jesus. Number three. Amazed by God to inspire others. Amazed by God to inspire others. Mark Chapter 1 verse 28 reads, The news about Jesus spread quickly through the entire region of Galilee. We're amazed to inspire others not to be entertained ourselves. Right? God's not working in a supernatural way in and through you just to be like, Woo! I'm just glad I get to watch. Right? But so that others or the news of Jesus might spread through wildfire. Or like wildfire. Hey, one of the ways we do that in this church is our work in kids' ministry to help inspire our kids with the work of Christ. I'm going to let you watch this video about what that looks like, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about that inspiration. Hey volunteers, are you a volunteer storyteller or the media person who shows a video or a small group leader who watches the Bible story alongside kids? No matter what your volunteer role, you probably know that what happens in large group is a big part of what we do together at church each week. And it's a lot more than just entertainment. In fact, every single thing that happens in large group time is designed to help a kid connect with God in a developmentally appropriate way. For more on that, check out my friend Bobby explaining the why behind what we do each week in large group. One of the things we're most passionate about in ministry is helping kids encounter the story of God and the truths of Scripture. I'm sure you agree that one of the reasons you turn on the lights every Sunday is for kids to experience the stories from the Bible. After all, when it comes to crafting large group experiences for kids and preteens, we have important things to say. But over the years, I've found this to be true, that no matter how important our message is, if we don't say it well, it probably won't stick. What we communicate in large group matters, but how we communicate does too, especially when it comes to how we communicate with kids. That's why we designed 252 Kids and Preteen Curriculum to communicate God's truth to a child on their level in age-appropriate and developmentally effective ways. Along the way, we also hope that how we program for large group will help you become a better communicator too. Here's what I mean. The elementary phase is unique. Talk to any elementary educator and you see that this is true. Kids and preteens don't learn or think like you do as an adult. They don't even learn or think like middle schoolers. Like every life phase, the elementary phase has unique opportunities in how we help kids understand the truth of scripture. So our challenge as ministry leaders is to teach our kids like they're kids, because they are. And that's not a bad thing. There's a lot to say about how kids learn and think. 
But for now, let's stick with what you're getting in your curriculum to help you communicate to kids and preteens effectively. For every month of curriculum, we give you several different options for large group experience. Every large group script should take about 30 to 35 minutes. However, studies show that a kid's attention span is about five to seven minutes long. That's why we break up large group into segments to keep kids engaged throughout the entire experience. No matter which tier you've chosen, every large group experience includes an opener with a game or activity that sets up the topic or theme for the day, worship suggestions and a scripted song transitions, a storytelling script with a relevant hook to capture the attention and imagination, and a closer with applications tailored to the kids or preteens. Kids are concrete thinkers, meaning they imagine the most literal translation of what is being said to them. Because of that, one of the best things that you can do in your teaching time is to engage as many of their senses as possible, to get them moving, to get them interacting with what you're teaching. That's why every Bible story will include either props, costumes, visuals, or activities to interact with while you're teaching. These scripts are all designed to help you keep your teaching time fun, engaging, surprising, and most importantly, effective. And if those stories include sound effects or visuals, we'll either include them or tell you exactly where to find them online. I share that just to share the intentionality of our kids' ministry. Because it's not just childcare, although it is a safe environment for our kids to worship and grow. I don't know if Look at this next slide. It shows some of the things you might have thought about what serving in kids ministry would look like. But our goal is to make kids ministry like the first column, this, where it's fun, where there's laughter, where there's grace, where we're prepared and equipped, where there's consistency, where there's appreciation and communication. There's defined roles for volunteers and there's a relational focus. Not like this, where there's panic if you serve. <laughs> I don't know what to do or anxiety or, or guilt. I didn't do enough or confusion or lack of clarity or just focus on the program. Kid, serving in kids ministry can be intimidating. It can be something like, oh, that's what other people do, not me, but it's the area of our church. You can have one of the biggest impacts on people to be inspired or amazed by God. A few years ago, a lady named Lou Ellen, and I share this with her permission, came to our kids' ministry kickoff meeting. This was in fall of 2020. And we were saying, here's what we're going to start. Uh, a curriculum provided by a company called Orange, 252. And there's a Bible verse that's based on. And when we shared everything, what it was going to be about, we asked, would you like to volunteer to give it a try? And Lou Ellen said, I'll do it. But I'm just a helper. I don't feel like I could be a leader. And so she did. She stepped in and was a helper and was a great helper for a couple of years. Fast forward two years and we began to multiply because we started out with like eight or ten. And now on a Sunday there's like 35 kids across our kids ministry. And so we began to say, how are we going to get age-specific? Because they learn it different ways. And we began to multiply and it created a case where we had the opportunity for twice as many roles. And Lou Ellen goes, just put me where you need me. 
That's what God can do with somebody that says, I'll just do what you want me to. And she became a leader because that's what we needed. He said, I didn't know what to do, but they equipped me. And she began to be a leader for our grow group for kindergarten through second grade. I think she's thrived in this role. She loves the kids and the kids are loving her. Last week, she led the kids to make ant bodies with their thumbprint as they learn from Proverbs 6 where God teaches us to work hard at whatever he gives us to do. Like the little ants work hard. You've seen ants work. They carry watermelon, right? Or, and so we use things like that to inspire the kids. Do you love encouraging kids? Do you like to see kids succeed? Have you been amazed by God and do you want to be a part of seeing others amazed by him? During this on-ramp, there's an invitation for you to be a part of that in our kids' ministry. Probably one of the most fulfilling ministries of our church where you get to see kind of like the peekaboo, the, the joy on the kid's face. The joy of when you see kids come up here to say, I believe in Jesus. It may stretch you. Any ministry you serve in, if you're coming from outside to coming in or coming from the bench into the game, it may stretch you, but I guarantee you we'll do everything we can to equip our ministry volunteers. And if it does stretch you, I hope it'll be a fun stretch. Text the word GROW. 205-772-4906 if you want to be a part of kids ministry or any other ministry. This is the season. Uh, we've got this thing I call the disciple map. Discipleship map. It's the paths that we're to grow like Jesus through. It includes worshiping, growing, serving and reaching. Come into a worship service. If you come for the first time, we'll invite you to come back. If you come a couple of times, we'll say, hey, come and be part of a grow group. A place where we gather around a table and, and have dialogue and study scripture and pray together and care for each other in our lives. The next path is on a serve path or a serve team where you use the way God has shaped you through your spiritual gifts, through the heart he's given you, through the abilities and talents he's given you, your personality, even your experience in other places. God uses you to serve his mission of the church, to love other people, like teaching kids about the Bible. We're in the middle of our on-ramp. In fact, we're at the end of our spring on-ramp. Doing this twice a year, we give a chance. You know what an on-ramp is, right? Where you take the on-ramp to the highway. It's a lot more efficient than a stop sign. It's getting you up to speed, right? A lot more efficient than a parking lot where you just sit and wait. It's a lot more efficient than even a red light. On-ramp just says, hey, if you know where you're going, get on it and go unless there's bad traffic that day. 
But on-ramp gives you a chance, if you're new to our church, a chance to jump in and engage on the paths of worship, grow, and serve. If you've been here for a while and you're just, you're coming to worship, but you're not engaging beyond that, like God wants you to do so you can be everything he wants you to do, the on-ramp's a place for you to, to jump in. If for some reason your schedule's changed or you need a different path to help you spiritually grow or for whatever reason, it's a chance for you to change and reconnect in a group and team. I invite everyone. Text the word grow. I think we're at about 70% for folks engaged in this so far. It's what we did in the fall. If you hadn't done it, I invite you to do it today. So you're a part of what God wants to do in you and through you. Take the on-ramp. Grow. Seven, excuse me, 205-772-4906. Be a part of Worship, Grow, Serve, February through August. Let's pray. God, thank you, Sarah, very much for your presence here today. Thank you so very much for the invitation to participate in your means of grace. To grow, to worship, to be amazed by the power of Jesus. God, I pray that you are doing that in the people who are participating. And God, today, let it be a way for folks to be a part of passive worship, growth, serve. Transform our lives. Transform others with the light. Let us be reflectors, bearers, shiners of your light. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again and God bless.